Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly divorce podcast. We share the stories and experiences of divorce professionals. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about divorce and separation at divorcenet.ca. Hello again, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Clean Break, the podcast. I'm Darren Javog. And today again with me is Tina Murray. And I know I like to joke, but Tina Murray is definitely, definitely, definitely the face and the voice of the show. <laughs> and thank you so much for being the co-host of the show, Tina. So today we have a little bit something, a little bit of a twist, right? Yeah, absolutely. So excited that I uh, wanted to have Darren back on the show as our guest. So today we have Darren Javog with us as our guest. So I get to do all of the questions. This is awesome. This is good. <laughs> So welcome to the show, Darren. Well, thank you, Tina. <laughs> Darren is a certified divorce financial analyst and a financial planner. Mm -hmm. And recently you added a little extra nugget to your package. You, certifications, yes. Yeah, yeah, your certifications blow me away. <laughs> I get tired just listening to the things you do, but <laughs> you actually got a certi certificate in collaborative law. Yeah, it's a it's a does uh, not a designation, it's a certification. Okay. Uh, in a specialized type of of process, we'll call it that. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, let's just talk really briefly because I we can't forget that you are a certified divorce financial analyst. So give us a high level, just a little bit of uh, information about what that is. Okay. So as a, as a divorce analyst, financial analyst. Uh, um, if I go back in time, I got I got the designation because I had clients that were going through divorce. And up to this point, probably about six years ago when I started doing this, it was a, a small piece of my business just to give advice to people on the financial part of divorcing, right? Uh, it was very useful for me. However, I found what, what was happening is I was on the adversarial side. I was representing one side mm. of the relationship. So I was just doing their stuff and then presenting information uh, to them on how the process, if they accepted the agreement, what it would look like, right. which was great because it gave them clarity. However, I was taking the position that I was advocating only for them. Right. So then if I had to go to court as a, as a, as a special, as a specialist or a, as a, a, expert. an expert in the field, yes. then I'd only defend them. I wouldn't be neutral or down the right. middle. Right. So, yeah. so this brings in sort of the collaborative law aspect so um tell us uh, actually i had a question i wanted to ask you why would a financial planner <laughs> and maybe you've kind of already alluded to it but why would you take a collaborative law program you are not a lawyer i'm not definitely not a lawyer and i tell people that's probably the first words out of my mouth when people ask me questions about divorces i say i am not a lawyer i don't give legal advice why would I do it? Because I felt there must have been a better way. You know, mm -hmm. when I when I was when I was doing my practice and representing one party, you advocate for them because you want to protect them. Even no matter what we do in our businesses, we always want to protect our clients. Right. But that comes at a bit of a cost because you okay. feel like to protect them, you have to take advantage of someone else and their weaknesses. Right. And I it always made me feel like I was doing a disservice. To the public by by being so by advocating for just one's party right so i'm like i want to get along i want to do something where i feel like i'm i'm helping everyone mm -hmm. so so being involved with divorce net 
led me down the path of, in, of meeting people like Jim Jeffcott and, and Collaborative Practice Ottawa mm -hmm. and understanding that there is another way that people can divorce in Canada right. than just the standard way. Right. So tell us, what is collaborative law? So if we are looking at the ways to get divorced, many people don't realize that it's it's pretty much an open field. You can do almost anything you want when you're separating from someone. You can have what's called a kitchen table agreement where mm -hmm. husband and wife sit down at a table, they scribble out a bunch of things on a piece of paper, they take it to a lawyer, and then the lawyer says, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll stamp it. Now, they will also say you need independent legal advice. Before you sign this, you should speak to somebody individually by yourself. Because yes. one lawyer cannot represent both parties. Right. Right. Yes. So so that's a kitchen table. But if you are, you know, willing to do that and sign a, sign a document, and I always caution people. You were going to say sign away. I was about to say sign away, yeah. but I didn't say sign away. But I, and, and, and because I didn't want to frame it the wrong way. But however, when you sign a document and it's dated, signed and witnessed, it becomes a binding agreement. And I think that's the challenge. I think people that are might be doing a kitchen table agreement don't mm. understand the consequences of that mm -hmm. is that once you have a, an, an in-force agreement, it's very hard to undo it if the other party doesn't want to. Even though it's kind of, like you say, just a kitchen table document doesn't matter. You could take a piece of roll of toilet paper and sign something on that. Yeah. And if you sign it, they sign it, it's witnessed and it's dated, whatever's in that contract could be held binding. Even if they haven't sought independent legal advice? If you're waiving that, now I'm not a lawyer. So I would, okay. I would talk to a lawyer about okay. that. However, but you have to understand, like if you're clarity, from my understanding, if you have clarity of mind, you haven't been coerced mm -hmm. or, or you're not intoxicated mm -hmm. and you sign that with clarity of mind, it can be very challenging to deal with that. Right. So people have to understand the the limit, the, the consequences of doing a kitchen table agreement. Right. And I get that a lot. I, I actually get a lot of people, many people will contact me before contacting a lawyer and they'll ask me questions that are very, very on the edge of legality. Right. And I'm like, I can't answer that question. I can tell you about my experiences, yeah. but I can't answer a legal question. Right. And I, but I will encourage them to speak to a lawyer yeah. because that is where they'll find these answers. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of, you, 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 I, the question was, yeah. what is collaborative law? Yeah. But you know what? I, I think there's so many things that like we could just keep going on and, yeah. and, you know, True. take 20 yeah. minutes to talk about traditional <laughs> law. So let's actually just go right to the chase. <laughs> I'm a terrible guest. No, 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 no. I can go down the rabbit trail as well. So I know. Um, okay. So, what is traditional mm -hmm. versus collaborative? Okay, great okay. question. Great question. If, if people think about it as a, on a sliding scale, the okay. first thing I just talked about, which was the kitchen table, is the very bottom. Right. Lowest time, lowest cost at the bottom. Yeah. And then as you gravitate up that uh, that 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 curve, yes. uh, it becomes more time and more costly because more people are involved. Right. Right. So a traditional uh, a, a traditional type of divorce is is adversarial because you have goals and interests yes. they're represented by your legal counsel who yes. advocates for you yeah. and then your partner has the same on their side yes and then communications happen between the lawyers and if they can't find agreement then they go to a judge mm -hmm. so that is a very can be a, a very adversarial position to be in because yeah. obviously your lawyers want to do the best for you so they're going to fight tooth and nail to make sure that you're happy right challenge the more fighting the more arguing, the more cost. Right. 
Okay. So that is the, the extreme on the other side of the scale, okay. right? Yeah. The collaborative process process is probably in the middle of that curve okay. because it does involve more people and it, um, uh, and there can be some costs, more costs because of that. However, because of the timeline and the way the collaborative works, you typically spend uh, less time getting everything done. So the process is shortened normally by like four to six months, a collaborative file can be completed, which okay. is amazing when you think about, when you hear stories from people that are fighting in three court years later. three years later, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so the way collaborative works is it's a team approach, okay. right? And I usually, uh, and, the, and the participants are, each party, each client still has their own lawyer, right? So you still have your own lawyer. You still have a lawyer that's advocating for you. Okay. However, two more people are in, in, invested in the mix, which is a financial neutral. Mm -hmm. And use, sometimes they'll use a family neutral. So a family neutral would be like, think of it like a communication coach. So not necessarily a therapist, okay. but somebody that helps you identify some stumbling blocks or challenges that you're facing and, and interests that you have in your own that you want to communicate to the team okay. and help you do it effectively without being judgmental right. and doing things like that. So the, the, the two lawyers, mm -hmm. both are collaborative lawyers. Yes. The financial person, and we'll get to this in a second, is someone like yourself who now knows very much what collaborative law is about. Right. And then the fourth person is, like you say, a therapist, not really a therapist. Family but, neutral, family communication. But they're also very well aware of the process, right? Because I can go to my own therapist, but yep. they're not going to know how to how the whole collaborative law process works. Right, 100%. So everybody is on the same page, even if the two parties aren't on the same page. Right, that's exactly it. Okay. And the beauty, the beauty of collaborative law, or collaborative process, I should say, is that the parties don't necessarily have to get along. Right. People think, oh, in order to be in this process, I have to agree or be on the same page with my spouse. And you can be completely on polar opposites and still use the process, Okay. right? So so one of the things that's important about, about it is it allows both parties to communicate what's important to them and then find middle ground. And what I really enjoy about collaborative, the collaborative process is that there's what's called a participation agreement. And I love this, okay. right? Because one of the challenges with the adversarial is it's kind of limitless. You can fight as long as you want and you could fight about this cup right here as much as you want. Okay. And if you want to spend $20,000 to get this cup, then you can go as far as you want to try to get it and spend as much as you want. Okay. With the collaborative process, what happens is all the parties sign an agreement saying that if they break away from the process, then everyone and all the information that's been curated is no longer valid. You can't really use it okay. to go to the adversarial side again. Okay. So if you're going to put in all this work with your lawyer and you're supposed to put all in this work in with their lawyer, and then the financial neutral is going to do all the number crunching mm -hmm. and, and equalize things for you and make, help you understand where everything's going. And right. then the family neutral is going to then coach you through all these conversations. If you decide, drop the microphone, I'm out of this process. I, I don't want to do it anymore. Yes. You have to start from scratch. Okay. Which is a and big you, incentive. And then you can't represent either party. That's correct. The lawyers can't represent either party. That's correct. So, so to 
to your position within this little group. That's so this is where you've eliminated that feeling like you're only working for one person right. and you're you're doing it potentially to the detriment of the other. Great way to put it. Right? Absolutely. Now you feel better with yourself. And I'm just saying that, you know, you can sleep well at night. Absolutely. Oh, yes. You know, you're knowing. doing the right thing for the clients. So you look at the situation as an end. You're not uh, you're not hired by one or the other of the clients. That's right. You're hired as part of this process that both parties have agreed to be a part of. You got it. And you okay. have to be neutral. And that's the big thing. And that is one of the yeah. toughest things to do, right? right? Is you present the numbers and the facts right. without any um, you know, without any feeling or, or predisposition as, as uh, to the outcome and you provide it to the lawyers to communicate with the clients to find middle ground. Right. Here's one of the things I always say, and it goes kind of like with that cup analogy I just used is when couples are getting divorced, there might be 10, 20 things that they're trying to resolve to get to that finish line. Okay. Right. And one of the struggles that the traditional process has is let's say there's 10 you might spend so much energy on the first five or six or seven things, just trying to find a way to, okay, you get this and I get this. Well, I don't want to give you that. And I'm going to fight this and I'm going to fight. So now you're expending all this energy on seven issues. Mm -hmm. By the time you get to the most important ones, the three that are probably the crux of your, of your divorce, yeah. you're exhausted. Yeah. So you're like, ah, I just, I don't care anymore. Or you know, I'll just let it run for three years. You know, you're just, you're just done with the process. Mm -hmm. The beauty of the collaborative process is it identifies the places you can find middle ground. So you have an interest. I have an interest, or let's say the clients have an interest, Yeah. but then they find some middle ground and say, okay, maybe we can work around this. Maybe this issue is very strong for you and strong for your partner, but where is the, the gray area that we can come together to find agreement? Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it's off the table. Now, when it's off the table, it's off your mind. And you're right. only focusing on the one thing that you're talking about now, not the other 10 things. Okay. So I find that's very powerful in the collaborative process. And okay. the fact that the team has to stick together, you have, yeah. you have to work it out. You yeah. know, that's the thing. It's not like, I'm going to use threats that, well, if you don't agree to me, we're going to court. You yeah. can't do that. It's right. off the table. Right. So it's like, okay, you have to find a way to get through it. Right. And I love that about the process. Right. So tell me a little bit about, um, uh, I, I want to ask about the process from your perspective. What do you do to get them to that point financially? Like what are some of the processes involved in your part of this collaborative process? That's a great question. Typically what happens again, back to the, the traditional model is that the lawyers do financial disclosure. So they do the financial disclosure and there's what's called a uh, net family property statement, right? And they gather all the numbers from each of the, from, from their own client and then they compare notes right? To make sure that everything is accurate. Okay. So I say, I have this, this, and this, ah. you say you have this, this, and this, and both lawyers come together and go, yep. Okay. And sign off that you, you are signing that you swear that you are giving all the right information. Right. Okay. Okay. Lawyers are great at, at, at the law, but maybe some of them are challenged when it comes to number gathering or sure. numbers per se, like crunching the numbers when it comes to illustrations or, 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 um, preparing a plan. Mm -hmm. They might not know or taxation. 
there's so many variables when it comes to gathering numbers because one number might look like something on a piece of paper but then when you dig deeper you realize oh my god there's like a 20 percent tax on this right how do you apply that right right and you're right i i think many lawyers that i've worked through the process with and i've worked through the training with i've all said they're happy to give that part up Right. Because in collaborative, they they give it away right. and they say, this is not my specialty. So then the financial neutral will take care of all the numbers, the gathering, and then and then we'll sit as a team and work it out that everything is correct. Okay. Right. Yeah. So so I think I think that's my role is to be the neutral to gather all the numbers, have a meeting with the clients. And then I also go a little bit deeper because not, it's not just about the number gathering. It's also getting to the interests of what the client is, what's important to the client. Right. Because one client, they might have a cottage together. I'll give that as an example. And it might have a value. And if one partner is willing to release it and give it to the other, uh, then how does that equalize the family assets? How does it, how is it traded mm -hmm. from compared to another asset, like maybe an RSP or a pension? Right. The conversations that I get to have with clients now become, okay, how important, what is important to you in the process? Mm -hmm. And then let's talk about the challenges and the benefits for you. Right. And then I can, and then we can talk to the other partner because maybe the other partner doesn't care about the cottage. Right. Right. And so you don't have to fight about it, but you have to understand the pros and cons of, 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 of keeping it. Right. right. And I know we've talked a lot and it's been interesting because I've been able to use some of the things you've said over the years in my own business. Right. And when people come to me and there may be in the early stages of a separation that I can sometimes say, you know, let's get some financial advice, you know, let's talk about that. Why don't you have, because it's not just about the equity in the house. It's not just about child support or like alimony or the RSPs. Right. right. And I know that there's lots of ways and, and it goes to that taxation point, mm. right. I'm going to, I want the house. And is the house better for me to have, or is it better for me to have half the RSP or, or half can the you work afford pension? It? can I afford the house? Right. right. So there's a whole bunch of things because we get so emotionally attached to what's important to us. Right. So 100%. for, and I don't, I'm not saying for all women, but our homes, mm. having the security of a roof over our heads for our children probably is more important to a woman, but may not be the best thing financially for us. Very true. Right. That's hundred percent true. And, and yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying that from a personal, I'm married, happily married for many, many years, which is ironic that you and I are part of divorce net. <laughs> I, know, I know. And we've talked about that for sure. But, you know, from my perspective, if, you know, emotionally, I would say, oh, my house is the most important thing. Right. 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 Yep. And so you take that, you help to take that emotion out of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? Let me give you an example. Actually, I, I, I think I can fit this in. Um, so I had a case where one client, the clients were separating and they signed the agreement. Like they, they signed off on a, on a partial settlement. Right. Okay. And, and, and one, and this, and, and one spouse, she wanted to live in a neighborhood that she really couldn't afford to buy a house. Right. So when they sold the family asset, the one partner, uh, owned the house or, or took the house. They sold it. He took his share and he bought another house, right? She stayed in the neighborhood where the school was for the kids, but rented because she had to, because she couldn't afford to buy. Okay. Right. Yes. So we go down the road here uh, a few years later 
And now like spousal support was still part of that conversation. And the, the partner that had moved and bought another house somewhere else, he, he, was, he was providing spousal support and now he was looking at retirement, right? The challenge now became is the spouse that stayed in the neighborhood with the school for the kids didn't have an asset. They were paying, they were paying rent. And the one that moved away, his property went up by $400,000. Wow. So he took his asset that he got from the relationship and he made, he made $400,000 profit on that. Right. Right. So now when they were negotiating the, the spousal support and him stopping working, because one of the things he said was his interest was to stop working at a certain time. He said, he, he said he was getting tired. He was getting close to the, you know, in his sixties and he wanted to stop. He was like, I'm, I'm done. I really want to stop working here. Right. And he didn't want to be forced into continuing to work to pay spousal support. Okay. But the spouse who stayed in the rental was, was furious because she's, she said, I have to stay in this neighborhood because of our kids and leave them in school. And you got to make $400,000 on a property. And, and now your net worth is more than mine. So she was frustrated about that. In a traditional case, mm-hmm. they just fight it out in front of a, in front of a judge. And the hard part is, and I'm not a lawyer. However, whatever he does with his assets after the marriage is not it doesn't concern her. That's right. So here's the interesting thing about collaborative is now because there was a collaborative file in place, the neutral, the the, the financial, and the lawyers came together and said, "We want to listen to the interest. We want to hear the two of you." And when they dug in on it. And she was able to express herself without having to go to court in front of a judge. She was able to express her, 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 her frustration with it. And he was able to hear her frustrations. Wow. He turned around and just said, I'm willing to entertain the idea of splitting some of that money with you. And that's something that wouldn't have happened necessarily in the traditional aspect. Because wow. a judge would have said, that's his money. You can't touch it. I'm sorry. Yeah. But now he gave it up. And then she conceded and said, then I think you should retire when you want Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Yeah. It's that, and that's uh, an example of, wow. of collaborative, right? Yeah. And how, how it can, it, it can really help. Yeah. Um, here's one thing I wanted to show. And, yes. and I'm going to show you this uh, quickly is, is this is a great uh, illustration. And I know people can't see it who are listening to this, Yeah. but when you come to the table in uh, a traditional manner, yeah. you go to talk to your lawyer and you, I, I have, I'm holding a pa- piece of paper in front of me and you go to your lawyer and you show them all your interests and concerns and everything that's important to you. That's on one page, piece of paper, yes. right? Yeah. The challenge is, is that the lawyer only hears half the page. Like he right. or she can only, he, they only identify, like when you're listening to someone, you're not taking in everything they're saying. Right. You're, so they're, they're taking in half of what you say. Right. Right. Yeah. Of the half that you say, only a quarter of it is really important to not important to learn, but they, they only, they only see a quarter of it as being important. the most relevant to the case. Right. Okay. okay. Yep. So then they take that and then they have to communicate to the judge what's important to you, but the judge only hears one eighth of the page. Right. That is important. Okay. Of the one eighth of the page, the judge then says, well, this one 16 is really the only part that I'm really interested in. Right. By the time the other lawyer comes into it and they start negotiating, you're down to 132 of the page that the, that the lawyer, that the judge can make a decision on. Wow. So think about that for a second. You're getting 132 of what is important to you to put in front of a judge to make a decision on everything that's going to happen in your life. Wow. 
Whereas when you use the collaborative model, yes, it's like having the judge there every single meeting and everything is on the table. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That is incredible. I thought that was, that was insightful. That yeah. was a very good visual. Yeah. And, and, and just even explaining it, if you're just listening via the, 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 the podcast audio. for sure. Yeah. That yeah. was fabulous. Um, okay. So there's another little piece of the puzzle and I don't want to run out of time. So um, enhanced mediation versus collaborative law. Oh, good question. So I think that like, let's talk a little bit about that enhanced mediation, but I, I kind of want to add another question. Can somebody use a mediator and then go to collaborative law? So maybe that's two completely different um, situations. That, that, that would be a good question for the mediator. Okay. Honestly, because okay. typically what happens is, like I said, is in the collaborative, pro so in the collaborative process, you have a participation agreement, which basically all parties sign yes. and there's a disqualification disqualification clause, which if, if people walk away from the process, it's gone, right? Okay. With enhanced mediation, there's really, I, I don't know, I can't speak to the, to the legal side of it. Yeah. I don't know if there's a participation agreement from the mediator per se. Yeah. However, it, enhanced mediation is, is like you have a mediator, you each are working with the mediator as a referee, right? Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the mediation process, when there's a separation agreement, typically what happens is people go to their own lawyers and yeah. get a sign off on the agreement that they've had independent legal advice. Right. What happens in enhanced mediation is the mediator sometimes will bring in a financial expert like myself okay. to to do the financial uh, the neutral the finan uh, financial neutral position and and do the intake. Okay. So the challenge with that is there's really not a participation agreement. It, it's it's a loose understanding that I'm a neutral. Mm -hmm. However. I'm not really signing a document that negates me later on, potentially, right. if I'm just being brought in to do the rough numbers. Right. And the same thing with the mediator. So it is a more informal, it's a, a more informal way of doing collaborative practice. Okay. Um, so I would say for people, that is another way. If you're getting along really well and you trust in the process of the mediation and you're yep. willing to do that, mm -hmm. you can do it, but it's not as formalized as the collaborative process, practice. Right. 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 So. so like, I, I think I have a client who started with a mediator and now she is using a collaborative lawyer. Oh yeah. You can do that. And like, and like you can always, you, you can, you can always go to the next process okay. and you can even be in the adversarial side. And, and drop into the collaborative process as well. Okay. Right. So question though, if I, and maybe you don't know this, maybe this is a question to ask a media mediator or a collaborative lawyer, but in this process, do you, um, if you're, you're using a mediator and then you go to a collaborative lawyer, can, does the other party still need a, a collaborative lawyer? Yes. So yes. at that point in time, it's now triggered a, a second lawyer. That's correct. Yeah. So you've basically, once you've come from mediator to a collaborative lawyer, then you now have begun the collaborative process. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. And, and for sure, you, you, everyone, everyone has to be qualified in the process. Mm -hmm. uh, both the lawyers, like you, you typically would not have a non-trained lawyer as a collaborative. Right. I, I, right. I don't think that they'd agree to do something like that. And so then that brings me to my next question is when you are in the collaborative process, is there always going to be the, the third party financial planner and the third party sort of 
divorce coach or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, the, the, the structure is, is it's framed that way that, okay. that there's, there's supposed to be a financial neutral and, yeah. a, and a, and a family neutral. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've never experienced where they haven't used those, where it's just been two lawyers using collaborative process. Typically there's, there's another neutral, either family or financial. Mm-hmm. Um, can it be done without, uh, I would, I would probably leave that open to the lawyers right. to decide. Right. 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 I, I think one of the, one of the benefits of using collaborative pro- the collaborative process is that everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And the nice thing about having a financial neutral or a family neutral is it's coming from an objective third party. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the, the people, the, the clients themselves don't feel like they, they feel like there's another person in there giving their advice mm-hmm. and they're trying to be as, and they're, they want to be as neutral as possible. So they don't feel like someone's taking sides. Mm-hmm. And when you have your own lawyer, they're, they're, they're bound to be an advocate for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a very tricky thing too, mm-hmm. because lawyers are supposed to advocate for their party. Yeah. At the same time, they're going against another lawyer with yeah. other interests. Right. So it's a very tricky, tricky situation to be in. And, and what I, what I do like about the, the process is the lawyers will get together and say, look, this is very, and they'll say this in their own case meetings. They'll say, you know, I have a client, this is very important to them. You're going to hear me elevate my language and, and make myself uh, take up more of the room. And I want you to know that because it's important to my client. So now the other parties realize that person's not just necessarily picking a fight or they're not being defensive. Mm-hmm. They're doing something that their client has asked them to do, right? Which changes the dynamics. Yeah. Because if you go into a a, a, a negotiation and I, you already know the other side yeah, is going to yeah, be presenting yeah. something because it's important to the party, yeah, then you're less likely to be confrontational and defensive, right? Yeah, agreed. So it's that's that's another benefit too. You know, and and I think. It's an interesting thing because I think most lawyers go into law and you think about it, right? Old school is adversarial, adversarial. We're going to go to court. We're going to fight for what we want. And there we go. But this collaborative law, lawyers don't make as much, right? So they're choosing to make less money, but it's because they really strongly believe in this process that nobody wins when you do an adversarial divorce. It can be, it can be very hard because it like the traditional model is based on you lose, I win. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Whole yeah. point. Everyone's trying to win. Right. And when everyone's trying to win, it just, it's exhausting. Yeah. So, and you know, the old joke, only the lawyers win. <laughs> I've heard that many times, <laughs> right? many times for you sure. Know. So yeah. I really, really like this whole collaborative law. And I, again, I know you're not a lawyer, but it's, I found it very unique when you told me that you had taken a collaborative law program course and I'm like why you're not a lawyer (laughs) but now that you've explained it I completely understand how it fits your personality Mm, and it it is it is it is great for the divorce process I I truly truly I believe deep down in my heart this is a process that people can benefit from cost-wise time-wise getting to the end and, mm-hmm. and restarting their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and, and still having some semblance of a relationship with somebody, <laughs> <Sanity> maybe. <laughs> yeah. And not basically trying to shred the other partner, Yeah, you know, just moving past it. Yeah. That's it's fabulous. just, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for 
coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you for interviewing it, me. It, it was it fun. Awesome. It's awesome. I think we could keep going because I think we can just keep talking about new different things and I'll bring it back together. But you are such a wealth of information, Darren. Like, I don't know anybody who is as passionate about what you do as you are. You humble me. I'm, I'm blushing. Yeah, <laughs> you, you are, you, you tire me out. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the energizer bunny that just keeps going and going and, but your information and your definite that you care really shines through. So thanks Tina. Thanks, I appreciate Darren. it. Yeah. So for all of you out there, uh, if you want more information about Tina or myself, check out the divorce net website. Uh, all of our information is there. We're here to help. Yeah. So take care of yourselves, get organized and we'll see you on the other side of the mic. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on divorce. You can find this and other great advice from divorce professionals at divorcenet.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. Divorcenet.ca, clear and simple divorce advice from trusted local professionals.